Это я только что Андрюхин написал. Она... Я понял, что у нас есть биоробот Денис, и сейчас у нас есть терминатор Андрюха, потому что он сейчас нас смотрит в таком состоянии, какое он есть. So let's all turn around at the camera and say, hey, Andre, we love you. We're praying for you. We love you very much. We didn't forget about you. Our Terminator. Uh, praise God. Praise God. Uh, today is a good day, amen? Today is a good day to be alive. It's a good day to be a servant. It's a good day to be uh, an ambassador of God's word. Uh, this is kind of a spontaneous that I ended up uh, up here. Uh, yesterday I was in prayer all day and I turned my phone off. And then in the evening I decided to turn it on because uh, my mama wanted to get a text message from me, make sure everything's fine. So and then my phone's on and then I see father's calling me. I'm like, oh, good, father's calling me. I want to talk to father. I pick up, I tell him what I'm feeling and he's like, okay, how about you preach tomorrow? And he's like, okay, think about it, pray about it. But you know, the way father says it, even if he says think about it, it means you're doing it. And um, so praise God, I'm excited to be here. Uh, I used to hate being up here, but now I'm starting to uh, realize that uh, that's what God's calling me to do. And um, like I said, I was in, uh, in prayer all day yesterday and uh, today kind of doing something like uh, what Dennis was talking about. Um, and I was praying last night, and after my uh, conversation with Zima, I just started. Uh, see, here, here was my plan. It was like uh, 10, 10.30 when Zima called me. It's 10.30. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get to bed early today. It's 10.30. I'm like, by 10.45, I'm going to be in bed. Tomorrow in the morning, I'm going to wake up at 6. I'm going to get a full night's sleep. I already had my whole schedule planned out. And then Zima called and ruined that whole schedule. That did not work like that. And, uh, but praise God, praise God. And uh, that, uh, last night when I was praying, uh, something, something weird happened. I don't know how to explain it. I, I even texted Father. I'm like, Father, pray for me. I don't know what's going on right now. But uh, I, I just started praying. And I started praying. And I'm like, God, what do you want to say, God? What's on your heart, God? What, what, what are you doing? And, uh, and, and I don't know. My, my heart just started pounding harder than I've ever felt. It's like... It's like when you're on a roller coaster where you're just full of adrenaline. I don't know, my heart just started pounding. And at one point, I put my hand on my chest, and it, I, it felt like my heart was going to, like, jump out. I don't know what was going on. There was such a, a strong presence of God in that place, something that I've never felt before in my life. And, you know, we're reading Leviticus. We're reading Exodus, man. I, I don't know. I felt like Moses when he came into the Holy of Holies because I started praying, and, you know, it started happening, and, and, and a fear, a fear came over me. But I realized this isn't the kind of fear you get, you know, when you, somebody scares you. This isn't that kind of fear. It's the kind of fear that uh, now I'm starting to understand more and more what Isaiah was talking about. When he's like, man, I'm a, I'm a man of unclean lips. Man, I'm a, I'm a man among unclean people, you know. He, 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 when you're in the presence of God, you know, something, I don't know, you, you get that fear of God. You're like, man, God is here right now. What, I don't even know what to do. I don't want to mess this up because it's kind of cool, but, but it's scary. It's scary, but... Uh, I prayed, man, and I, I believe I received this from God, you know. Uh, I wanted, what I wanted to, to message this was a sense of urgency. A sense of urgency. There's a sense of urgency. And uh, that's what God told me. As I was praying last night, as I was praying this morning, as I'm standing right now, I, I, that's what God's telling me. There's a sense of urgency. There's, uh, there's something coming. You know, there's something coming to our church. There's something coming to our youth. And, uh, and uh, who, who's been reading the Bible plan every single day, staying faithful to it? Praise God. Praise God. Uh, the Word of God gives us breath every day, amen? It gives us life. It, it helps us uh, keep going forward. It helps, helps us keep moving. We're reading Leviticus right now. I said we're reading Leviticus right now. Who's excited that we're reading Leviticus right now? Praise God. I love this book probably more than I have in the past two years we've been reading the Bible plan. I don't know, something. Uh, I, I, I made a, a promise to myself and I made a promise to God this year. When I read the Bible plan, every single chapter that I read, there's going to be one thing that I highlight and one note that I take from every single chapter. I don't care if he's talking about sacrifices for 36 verses. I'm, 
And if I don't get something, I'll read the same chapter again until I get something. And uh, I don't even have to reread any of Leviticus. Exodus were kind of hard at some points. But Leviticus is going good. And I'm excited to get into Numbers. And then Deuteronomy, and then Joshua, and then Judges, and then Ruth, and then 1 Samuel, and 2 Samuel, then 1 Kings, and 2 Kings, and then 1 Chronicles, which repeats what 1 Kings said. I'm excited to read all that. I'm excited for all that, you know, because this is going to give us life. You know, it's going to prepare us for, for what, what God has for us. You know, reading Leviticus, especially these past couple of days, God is talking about a lot of rules. He's talking about a lot of rules. He's saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't go there. You know, sacrifice this kind of animal for this kind of sin. Sacrifice this for that kind of sin. Sacrifice this as just, 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 just because you feel like it. Sacrifice this, you know. And, uh, you know, we could just kind of read and be like, okay, whatever. Where's all the good stuff, you know. This is the good stuff. You know, if you, if you really uh, get into the word, you start just getting things that you've never received before. You know, when, when God says, you know, don't sacrifice an animal that's crippled. He says, you know, don't just give me something, you know, give me a good animal. Give me your best. What does that mean? That means our sacrifice has to be the best. When we stand up here during worship, we don't just give them a crippled animal. We don't just give them a standing like this. We get into it. We give them the best we got. We, we get into the presence, man. We do everything we can to push through and, and connect with God somehow. And uh, reading, reading these rules, and, and some of those rules, you read them, and you're like, God, what? What does that mean? What? You're like, man, God, what? And I started praying about it. I'm like, God, what are all these rules? Why are you saying all these things? And uh, God spoke to me. He's like, you know what? No, to a certain extent, you're not going to understand what these rules are. I'm like, why? What are you talking about? You're, he's like, you're not going to understand because these rules were for the most part created for the people of Israel who just left Egypt. And I'm thinking, okay, does that mean I don't have to do anything? He's like, no. He's saying these rules specifically were made for the people of Israel. These are the things that they specifically needed to hear to be close to me. And, you know, started making sense. You know, uh, we read that they weren't allowed to be uh, around a dead body. Because when you're, if you're around a dead body, you become unclean. Now, I'm thinking about it. It's, it's normal for us to go to funerals now, right? When, when a loved one dies, it's normal for us to go to a funeral. It's normal for, for us to go into a cemetery and, you know, uh, pay respect to somebody that, that you know, that, that we love. That's normal for us. That's, that's walking among dead bodies. And I started thinking, okay, that, there's no way that can be a sin. You know, there's no way. And, you know, he's talking about slavery. You know, back then it was okay for them to have slavery. <laughs> don't, don't go out and get slaves, man. <laughs> You're going to get sued from like 25 different areas. You know? And I'm thinking, and I'm like, and, and God started speaking to me. He's like, most of these rules, yeah, there are some that you need to obey, but most of these rules were made for the people of Israel at that time. And I'm thinking, okay, God, what do we do? And he's like, you already have your own set of rules in your church you have your own set of rules that I've given you in your youth you have your own set of rules that I've given you in your life and he spoke to me he said it's as important for you to follow those rules as it was for the people of Israel to follow these rules it's as important for you to follow those rules that we have here than it, that it was for Israel to follow those rules that they had back then and uh you know, when we talk about that, what are we saying? You know, no dating, no drinking, no doing drugs, no listening to bad music, no watching TV all day, not waking up late, not sleeping in and getting, you know, 14 hours of sleep. You know, we have these rules, and that's, that's for us, those are the rules that God was giving the people of Israel. Yeah, maybe we get some, we, uh, some of the rules that God gave to Israel, we still apply them today. You know, we still apply. I'm not saying just throw it all away. It's pointless. We still apply them today. But God gave us specifically a set of rules that we need to obey. And when we're not obedient to that, he, he just looks at us just like he did at Israel. And he's like, man, those stubborn and rebellious people. You know, you guys read that in the Word when God, when God called them. That? He's like, you stubborn and rebellious people. I told you to not do this and you're doing this again. You know, he gave us those rules. And, and when, you know, uh, when we had the challenge, no Facebook and no Instagram. I'll be completely honest, I repent before you about uh, three times I went on Facebook. One time to uh, write stuff about the Youth United. Two other times, just because I wanted to see who's actually doing it. I didn't look at any of the posts. I didn't write anything. I didn't look at any pictures. I just wanted to see who's actually up for the challenge. I wanted to know, man, how serious is our youth about these things? I got on there, man. I was happy. I'll be completely honest with you. I was happy. To a certain extent, I was even surprised. 
but I was happy I'm like man we're getting it you know we're getting it we're all seeing it we're all we're all finding the beauty of the law and then there were some people you know that chose uh, to not be a part of this youth there are some people that decided they're uh, you know they, they come here on Fridays but they're not really a part of us and they did the Facebook and all that good stuff and you know we we gonna we gonna pray for uh, salvation later on we're gonna pray you guys can repent uh, it's, it's you know it's there's no lost cases in God you know you know when we did the no Super Bowl when we did the no Super Bowl I'll be completely honest I was standing up there when Zima started announcing the challenge and before he even said it I'm like man he's gonna say the Super Bowl isn't he I'm like man he gonna say the Super Bowl oh he just said the Super Bowl and I got happy I'm like yes you know this is a good opportunity for me to prove to myself to prove to God that I can step over my flesh this is a good opportunity for me to prove that I am serious about this. And I can't give up a, a little silly game that maybe only happens once a year. Maybe it would have been a good game. Maybe my favorite team was even in it this year, the Baltimore Ravens. Maybe they were in it this year. But you know what? I'm, I ain't going to watch that game. Now, Seahawks are second favorite, man. I, don't, I only like them when they're good. <laughs> I'm a very loyal fan. You know, if you watch the Super Bowl, man, you need to... Uh, you know, I don't know for sure. There's some things I've heard, you know, some, I don't even care who did it. But, you know, if you did all these things, if you're, if you're choosing to not obey all these rules that we're having, uh, let, me, let me tell you this, you're, uh, you're missing out on something uh, much deeper than just not watching a football game. You're missing out on something much deeper than just not going on Facebook. You're missing out something much deeper, and it's a scary thought. And uh, when we pray later on today, I would seriously consider where, where you are with God right now. I would seriously consider where you are because if you think about it, oh, it's just a game. It's just If it's just a game, why couldn't you sacrifice it? Well, it's no big deal. It's a, if it's no big deal, why did you watch it? You know, God's, God spoke this to me clearly when I was in love with soccer. He spoke this to me clearly. I'm like, God, it's just a game. It's just one Sunday I'm going to miss. He's like, then why are you missing the church service on Sunday? Why? If it's, just, if it's just a game, if it's no big deal, why are you missing it? And I realized it is a big deal in my heart. It is important to me in my heart. It, it does take up too much space than it should in my heart. And, uh, you know, these rules, these rules uh, that, that uh, God placed here in our youth, you know, I don't, I don't believe that Zima, you know, and when we talk about, you know, things that we should talk, I don't believe he just makes up rules just because he's some uh, uh, powerful tyrant who just wants to control us all and he, and he just wants to, you know, make us have as less and less fun as we can possibly have. No, man. Every rule I know that it's based on the Word of God. I know it's based on a revelation that he received from God. That's why when he says something, I don't care how painful it is for me, I'm, I'll do it. I'll do it. And uh, I believe that's where God's calling us to be, to have that principle of subordination in our life, to have that, to have that principle where, where when our leader tells us something, we don't care how painful it hurts. If it doesn't contradict the Word of God, if it doesn't contradict what God is doing in our lives, then we got to obey it. It doesn't matter how painful it is. It doesn't matter how unpleasant it is. And if we do that, we will be blessed. We will be blessed. That's that same principle that God was saying, be obedient. Uh, not even, it says, honor your father and mother. It's not just for your mom and dad. It's just for, for the authority in your life. Honor them. Respect them. Honor them. And, uh, he, and that's the first uh, commandment with a blessing. He says, you know, honor them and you'll have a blessed life. If you honor your authorities, you'll have a blessed life. And uh, so I want to jump in the word of God. If we can open up to the book of Romans, please. The book of Romans, chapter 7. Chapter 7. So, like I was saying, uh, God was telling me a sense of urgency sense of urgency and you're probably wondering why am I talking about rules when I'm talking about the sense of urgency and you'll, you'll find out in like 25 seconds uh, the book of Romans chapter 7 if we can start at verse uh, 14 uh, I'm sorry I didn't have a chance to grab my NIV Bible I'm reading under the NLT but new living uh, Romans chapter 7 verse 14 if you don't have a Bible please just pay close attention so the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. This is Paul writing this. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, 
This shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing it. It is the sin living in me that does it. Now, uh, this might be confusing. I'm going to try to break it down. Uh, Pretty much, you know, break it down into our, I succeed, American slash Russian lingo language. If you break it down, pretty much what he's saying, I want to wake up in the morning and read the Bibles. I want to pray every single day, but I don't do it for some reason. I don't want to sin. I don't want to get mad at people. I want to honor my parents, but I don't do those things for some reason. Or I, uh, I lie and I, I don't want to do those things. There, some whatever you guys, you guys see what I'm trying to say. He's saying he has sin in his life and he doesn't want to do it, but for some reason he keeps doing it. He understands that is wrong. He realizes that he's not doing the right thing, but he's still doing it for some reason. Or on the other hand, he knows that he needs to pray every single day. He knows that he needs to read the Bible. He knows that he needs to come every service. He knows that he needs to be here every Friday. But he just doesn't do it for some reason, even though he knows he should. That's what he's saying. And in verse 21, he says, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to my sin. Now, now there are two aspects of what's going on inside of Paul here. There are two things that are going on inside of Paul. There's a sinful nature, and then there's the spirit of the living God. That same spirit that was inside Jesus when he resurrected on that third day. That same spirit that did miracles through Jesus. That same, that same Holy Spirit that healed. That same Holy Spirit that spoke. That same Holy Spirit that, that did all those things Jesus did while on this earth. It's inside of Paul and so is that sinful nature. Let me tell you this. It's inside every single one of us. The sinful nature is inside every single one of us. Now the spirit of God, I don't know if that's inside every single one of us. Because when it's inside a person, you, 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 you can tell. If you've got the Spirit of God in you, you can tell who has it and who doesn't. You know, but the sinful nature, we all got it. Sinful nature, we all got it. Does, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't matter uh, whether we're a pastor or whether we're, uh, you know, some pope. Uh, do, doesn't matter. We have that sinful nature inside of us. And uh, naturally, what we do naturally is we do what the sinful nature wants us to do. That's what we naturally do. Uh, the Bible says we were born into sin. It's not something that we just uh, kind of picked up on the way. It's something that we were born to. We didn't have a choice whether to do it or not. We were born into it. And the Word of God says that, that we were slaves to sin. You know, before Jesus freed us, before Jesus broke the chains, we were slaves to sin. And uh, the sinful nature that's inside of us, that's what's causing us to be disobedient to all these rules. The sinful nature inside of us, that's, what, that's what's causing us to not read our Bible every single day. The laziness inside of us, all the, all the rebellion inside of us, that's what's causing us to not be pure and to not be holy and righteous before God. The sinful nature that's inside of us. Now you're probably thinking, man, wh- how, if Paul's talking about how he's, he keeps doing the wrong thing, you know, how is, is there any hope for me? What am I supposed to do? Dima showed me this. He spoke this to me. I came up with him. I was going through some stuff, and he shared it. In, in chapter 8, you know, a lot of times we read the Bible, and we think, you know, chapters just completely divide everything. But we have to understand this is one letter. It doesn't matter if it's chapter 8 or 7. So he's saying because in, in, verse, in chapter 7, the very last verse, he says, In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the wickedness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. But instead follow the Spirit. Now, when I was saying, if you watch the Super Bowl, if you went on Instagram, you're missing the bigger picture than not, not, not just not doing those things. What did I mean by that? 
I meant that if you allow your flesh to do, if you allow yourself to do those things, that means that your flesh has a lot of control over you. That means that your sinful nature has a lot of control over you. And if you don't even think that you were wrong doing it, if you don't even think that what you did is wrong, if you think what you did is fine for you and, you, and you're not okay with all these high standards, if you think it's fine for you, I mean, you don't even have the spirit living inside of you. Let me tell you that. I know this might be not easy to hear, you know, if it's coming towards you, but that's reality. If you don't even feel wrong for doing it, you don't have the spirit of the living God in you. Because I don't know about you, every time I sin, something rises up in me and I'm like, God, I don't want to do this. I'm sorry, God. I don't want to do this. God, break this in me. Mold me, God. Make me into the person that you want me to be. Never does a moment go in my life where I sin and I'm just kind of like, Never. That used to happen, you know, like maybe six years ago before I came to God doesn't happen anymore because when you have that spirit living inside of you it it just it doesn't work i don't know how else to explain to you but it just doesn't work it just doesn't happen now if you feel wrong for what you did if you if you did make a mistake and you feel wrong with what you did you're you're in a in a better situation now you're in a better situation because because uh you admitting that you did something wrong, you admitting that you let your flesh have control is, is the first step towards being where God wants us to be. You admitting it. Now, what we can do is we can admit something is wrong, but not really believe that something is wrong. We can tell everybody that we think what we did is wrong, but not really believe it inside of our hearts. You know, you know that's a whole other uh, case. You know, that's where, you know, you're starting to, you know, be... You know, at that point, you're like delusional. You don't even know, you you don't even know why, but for some reason, you're you're okay with this in your life, even though you say you don't. And the thing is, nothing I say will change that because you're delusional, because you don't see that there's something wrong with you. And if you know that's the case, if you know there's something inside of you that's grown, if there's some sin inside of you that's grown, and you can't do anything, man, when we start praying today, you just got to start asking God, God, just. Just do something. I don't care what. Do something. You know. And you know, with uh, this situation that came with Andre, you know what I realized? This a prayer that we always start saying is very dangerous. It's very dangerous when you start saying, "God, break me." I'm sure Andre at one point in his life was saying, "God, break me." I got you, brother. <laughs> I'm sure at one point in his life he, he was saying, "God, break me. God, mold me. God, more of you and less of me." What do we do when it actually starts happening? What happens when God starts molding us and starts actually working with us and starts breaking us at some points in our lives? What do we start doing then? Are we going to be like Job's wife? Who's like, man, just die, 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 curse God and die. Or are we going to be like Job where he's like, I'm going to glorify my God. Doesn't matter. He, he gave me everything good in life and he takes it away. Everything is his. And if we're led by the Spirit of God, We'll always have progress in our lives. We'll always grow. With every single day, with every single sin we commit, we learn a little bit about ourselves. We learn a little bit something new. We, we get a little tiny secret of what's really inside of us, and we start working on that when we have the Spirit of God. But when we don't, and the sinful nature is controlling us, we could come to church, but it's not going to save us. Let me tell you this. If you just obey the rules that we even have here, but you don't really get it, it's not going to save you. If you do everything we say, if you're completely obedient, if I say jump and you say how high and whatever, but you don't really get it, it's not going to save you. Because what's important is for you to have that relationship with God. Yourself too, not just through somebody. God can use somebody to talk to you, to speak to you, to tell you something, but you need to have that personal connection with God. You can't just know God through Dima. Or you can't just know God through pastor or some weird preacher on the internet or on some podcast. You need to know God personally. And the only way to do that is, is with this book and with prayer every single day in our lives. That's the only way. That's when the sinful nature in us will just start dying off slowly. It'll still be in us. But its voice will get quieter and quieter and quieter. We'll start recognizing it from far away. You know, it's like a, 
when you're driving at night, especially when you're driving and there's a stoplight ahead of you, you know, if it's red, you can see it from far away that it's red. And as soon as it turns green, you, you know, you can see it from far away. You know, that's, that's what the sinful nature will be like for us. We'll just see it from far away and we'll be like, I'm not going over there. And you just, you know, anybody ever play Frogger? You guys played Frogger where there's pretty much a game, there's a... Uh, some, you're, you're, you're in some river and pretty much there's like rocks floating at you and there's like four lines. And pretty much there's rocks floating at you and all you have to do is you just have to move over to the side. The rocks goes past and you can get back in this lane and go as far and whatever and you just avoid the rocks. That's pretty much the, the you know, game's really simple in my days. Now they got 3D graphics and if you do, if you have this thumbstick, it changes your view and if you have this thumbstick, it's how you move and then this one is how you shoot. This one you change. In, in my days, it was simpler. We had Frogger, we had Pac-Man, we had Super Mario Brothers. And, uh, but, you know, this game Frogger, you know, pretty much you have a screen and you can see what's coming ahead in your lane. And all you do is you just get out of the way. You don't have to freak out. You don't have to do anything big. You just get out of the way. Rock goes past you and, and you just keep moving on. You keep avoiding these things. That's what will happen to us when we're led by the Holy Spirit. We'll start seeing these things and, and it's like they're, they're, we see them. They're still inside of us. They're trying to get us. We just move out of the way. Because this sinful nature will lose its power over us. We won't be slaves to sin anymore. We won't be slaves to sin anymore. You know, uh, uh, in today's Bible plan, in Leviticus chapter 26, I believe, uh, there was a moment where God's talking about his wrath. So. Just very, very interesting. I'm like, oh, wow, that's our God, huh? Wow, he's like that. Because he's saying, you know, pretty much, I don't remember exactly what I said. He's like, uh, if you're, if, let me open it up real quick. You guys don't have to open it up. Pretty much what he's saying is, chapter 26, pretty much what he's saying. You know, he's saying, if, if you obey my decrees and you're careful to obey my commands, I will bless you. I will send you seasonal rains. Your, your, your fields will have crops. You'll have blessing in your life. And then he says, however, if you don't listen to me or obey all these commands, and if you break my covenant, I will punish you. And then I'm like, okay, makes sense. Then you read a couple verses down, and he says, and if in spite of all this, you still disobey me, I will punish you seven times over. And I'm like, okay, God, now we're getting... And then again, he says, even if you, if you still remain hostile towards me, and refuse to obey me, I'll inflict disaster on you. And you're like, okay, God. And then he's saying, and if you still fail to learn the lesson and continue your hostility towards me, then I'll become hostile towards you. And then he says, if in spite of all this, you still refuse. And I'm thinking, oh man, God, how much anger do you have? But you know what I realized? God is holy. And you know what? He's not going to put up with, with, with our garbage for much longer. I'll be complete. You know, he'll put up with it. He'll put up with it to a certain extent because Jesus is standing there right next to him. And he's like, God, please don't punish him. God, please, God, please. You know, he's like that Moses. He's interceding for us right now. He's like, God, please don't punish him. God, give him another chance. But at some point, you know, God's like, you know, Jesus, it's, it's time. You know, it's time for, the, for, for this cup of wrath to enter their lives. And you know, and you see how much is going to come. And you know what? God's going to put up with us. God's going to put up with our things. But if we choose not to change, if we choose to just being okay with this life and, and, and we're still going down this life, eventually we'll get to the point where God's not going to put up with it anymore. We see these examples over and over in the Bible where at some point God, something in God is just like, I can't do it anymore. And that's scary. That's scary. It's scary when you give your sinful nature that much power over your life. And, uh, you know, we're talking about the will of God lately. We're talking a lot about the will of God. We're like, God, we don't want to miss your will. We don't want to miss your will. You know what? God has a, a specific will for your specific life. There's something very specific that he wants you to do. But there's also a global kind of something that all Christians have to do. A will of God that all Christians have to do. And if we open up to Matthew, uh, the very last chapter of Matthew, I'll open up that secret too. I shared this today at a... At a uh, uh, not today. I shared this on Monday at Cascade High School. It's talking about the will of God. And uh, in Matthew 28, verse 18, this is when the, the very last thing Jesus says before he goes to heaven to be with uh, his Father until he comes back. He says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Pretty much he's saying what, what, what we were screaming out and trying to get out to everybody on New Year's Eve. Go and tell. God says, 
this is the this is you know imagine what jesus is thinking at this point he's like this is the last time i will see the disciples this is the last thing that i have to tell them this is the last impression that they have on me what 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 is the most important thing that i can possibly tell him right now he says go and tell go and make disciples of all nations you know what that's the will of god for our lives yeah, there are specific things. Some of us are called to be in worship. Some of us are called to be in this. Some of us are called to do that. Some of us are called to go to this country and start churches there, whatever. But the main thing that each and every single one of us has to do is we have to go and tell. And we can't give somebody Jesus if we don't have Jesus ourselves. We can't give somebody Jesus. We can't give somebody the Holy Spirit. We can't baptize them in the name of the Father if we don't have that ourselves. If I don't have a million dollars, I can't give Dennis a million dollars. I want a million dollars. No, I don't want a million dollars. You can't give something that you don't have. And if you can't give to somebody Jesus, that means you can't do what Jesus told you to do. That means you're not fulfilling the will of God. In Matthew chapter 7, uh, chapter 7 verses 1 to 23, Jesus says, Some will call out to me, Lord, Lord. And I'll say, I never knew you. Because not everybody can enter the kingdom of God, but only those who actually do the will of my Father. Now, if you don't tell people about Jesus, if you're not going and telling, that means you're not doing the will of God. If you're not doing the will of God, that means you're not going to heaven. If you're not going to heaven, that means you're going to burn in hell for all eternity. There's no purgatory. There's none of that garbage. It's either heaven or hell. And, and the Bible tells us clearly, black and white, what the situation is, what, what this life is all about that we're living in. We, we hear preachers saying, you know, once saved, forever saved. When you have Jesus once, there's no way you can possibly lose him. You know what? Salvation is, salvation by itself, I don't believe it's a gift. The chance to have salvation is a gift. That's something Jesus gave to all of us, the chance. But to actually have salvation, yeah, in the beginning, it, it, it's given to you. God gives it to you. But you have to hold on to it with all your strength. Because if you don't hold on to it and fall out of the will of God, you lost it. You lost it. You lost it. And, uh, you know, people out in this world are dying. I'm not even talking about just people in Africa, just people in Asia. I'm talking about, you know, our schools are our mission fields too. Our workplaces are our mission fields too. And we have to tell there. But, uh, you know, I've always, I've always thought about, you know, I'm sure there's just a random group of people in Africa that nobody ever talked to. You know, they don't know about Jesus. They've never heard about Jesus. If they die, are they going to go to hell? And I, and I was thinking about this. And, and then I remember Romans 3, verses 23, where it says, For all men have fallen short of God's glorious standard. For all men. If all men have fallen short, that means all men have fallen into sin. If you've got sin controlling you, you're not going to heaven. It doesn't matter if you've ever heard of Jesus or not. And those people out there are dying. And we're out here driving on our cool cars having our comfortable jobs, having our comfortable lives, and we're not even thinking twice about them. You know, when 9-11 or Hurricane Katrina happens, we're like, oh man, that's a disaster. What about all those people that are dying every single day and they've never heard the gospel? And they're going to hell. What about that? We're sitting here, we can't even give up a lousy football game. And we're asking for God to use us to reach out to those hungry people in Asia that have never heard the gospel. We can make the decision to lay a sport down in our life, to lay an activity down, to lay our friends down in our lives. And we're expecting God to use us. And we're saying, God, God, here I am. God, here I am. God, you with me. He's not going to use you. Because you can't even let go of simple things in your life. You're not going to be used by God. You're not going to be one of those people that... It's written about in these last times that they're going to do greater things than Jesus even did. You're not going to be one of those people. Because you've got that sinful nature controlling you. You know what's interesting? We read in our Bible plan, and God said at one point, He says, you know, uh, when you get the crops from your field, don't get the crops from the edges, and don't get just the random crops that fall down. And, you know, you could just kind of read that and be like, oh, okay, I guess that's just one of those weird rules. But it's not just one of those weird rules. 
You know what God is saying? God is saying, yes, it's your field. Yes, you've earned it. Yes, you are blessed. But there's other people that don't have what you have. And leave that part of your field for them. Yeah, maybe there will be less left for you. Yeah, maybe you won't have as much of a blessing, but you need to be a blessing for them. And every, I don't know, I just feel like lately everything around me is just screaming out. I don't know how else to explain it. Just everything is screaming out. It's, you know, like God, God is just telling me something. I, I've been talking to Dima a lot this week. We've been with him almost every single day. On Sunday we were with Andre, and on Monday we met, and on Tuesday and then Wednesday we went to Andre again. And, man, I'm telling him, he's telling me all these same things, and I'm like, man, it's starting to get spooky. It's starting to get spooky that God is saying all these things to two different people at the same time, and they're both feeling it. And, you know, you look at what's happening to Andre, and you look at the situation, and, and man, I'm looking at him, and he's just like a rock. At one point, it almost got to him. But, you know, I believe that's why, you know, me, me Dennis, and Dima, I believe, that we're, we, I believe that's why God put us there. Because at that point, we encouraged him. We're like, Andre, don't, don't, you know, don't let this get to you. This is God's plan. He's going to do something amazing. And at that point, it's like he killed all his emotions. And he just stayed faithful. And he started telling his mom, Mom, I don't, I don't care what's going on. You know, in the end, Jesus wins. When he said that, I'm like, <sighs> and you understand God is doing something. God is doing something, you know. Dennis, you know, went on that retreat for three days, and he went through some just deep things, I believe. I didn't really get to touch. I believe he just went through deep things. You know, all this weird stuff is happening. Artur Simanyan was here two weeks ago, and he's just, like, talking about young people. He's talking about Daniel and David and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then randomly, out of nowhere, he decides to quote Isaiah 6-8. It wasn't, it didn't have anything to do really with what he was saying at that moment. It's like for a split second, somebody else entered and his body said that thing, and then he was back to saying the same thing he was before. And then afterwards, Zima tells him, he's like, do you know that's the name of earth? And he's like, really? Wow, that's cool. And you're like, and you're just like, God, what is going on? You brought this dude from Armenia to come to our church and confirm that what we're doing is right. And you're like, man. God, what is going on? It's all around you. It's screaming. I was listening to an interview by Bill Wilson, and same thing. He was on some some uh, British uh, TV TV show. You know, Bill Wilson, the crazy guy. I, I call him John Baptist of 2012. I don't know how else to name him, man. He's just, you look at him, and you're like, man, that dude definitely eats some crickets or something, man. <laughs> you look at him, and you're like, man, that... <laughs> But he's preaching. He's saying something on this name. He's saying something. And all of a sudden, he's like, you know what? I really love this story. And Isaiah, I believe it's chapter 6. I'm not sure. I think it's verse 8. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, God, what is going on? It's screaming all around us. Something is going on. God is calling us. This isn't just some name that we made up on emotions. This is something that God birthed. And we feel it getting confirmed over and over and over. Uh, I'm reading a book called Radical. I know I said I'm reading a book. I've, I haven't read a book in like seven years. Sixth grade was the last time I actually read a book. Don't ask me how I graduated high school, man. Spark notes. I didn't say that. Don't do that. I didn't read a book. I'm reading this book. I can't put this down, man. I get into it and I'm like, man. And, he, and I got to the point where he's talking about mission fields now. Where he's talking about the mission fields now. And I'm like, God, that's what I need in my life. That's what you're calling me for right now. Not just to go to some different country, but I need to step it up. I'm, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. I don't care if I may be at church 24-7. That's not, that's, not that's not what I need to do. That's not the only thing that I need to be doing, God. There's people dying. Why is it when we go witnessing that we're just kind of doing it? And, you know, hey, have you heard about Jesus today? Well, I can tell you about Jesus. I, Jesus loves you very much. Why are we like that? Why are we so ashamed of what's inside of us? Why are we so scared of preaching the gospel? That's what God called us to do. Why do we wait for just all those, those times before Easter when we go witnessing? Why do we wait for that? Get up off your couch. Go down to Safeway. Start witnessing. I remember I did that one time in my life. 
It's like 11 o'clock. Uh, the Safeway right by my house is open 24-7. It was 11 o'clock, and I, I don't know what came over me. It was the craziest, thought, craziest thing that ever happened to me. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go witness to some people right now. It's 11 o'clock. I'm alone. I, I, I'm going. And I go, and the first thing I see is a dude in my neighborhood. I know he's not saved. He's actually, a, you know, Nadia, she always sits with my mom. There's a lady, Nadia. It was her son. And I believe at that point, God's telling me, go and, go and preach the gospel. And I'm just walking. And I'm like, nope, I'm going to Safeway. I, this is going to be really awkward. I'm going to see him all the time. We're neighbors. It's going to be really awkward if he says no. And I didn't do it. I didn't tell him. But I'm like, okay, I go down to Safeway. I go down to Safeway. And man, I feel like, I feel like a cougar that's, you know, looking for his prey. I don't know how else to explain it, honestly. I mean, I just feel like that. And I'm like walking, and I'm just like staring at every single person. I'm like, God, is that the one? God, is that the one? God, is he? And I remember at one point, I walked by a dude. Man, I don't even know how to explain it. But man, when I saw the look in his eyes, I just saw that he was, he was empty inside. I saw that he was empty inside. And I walked by him the first time. And God's like, Noah, it was right there. And I keep walking. And God's like, Noah, it was that guy. And I keep walking. And God's like, Noah, it was that guy. And I just keep walking. Because the shame was inside of me. I had fear inside of me. And then at one point, you know, I'm walking, and I can't find anybody. And I'm like, man, I missed it. That was the guy. And I started looking for him. Man, it's like he just disappeared. I started standing by the doors, and I'm just waiting for this guy to come. So as soon as he comes, I can like jump. I didn't see the dude. And I missed it. I missed the chance. I missed the chance. Because there was that fear. Because that sinful nature was still inside, controlling me. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. When Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't just so that we could walk around with these little crosses on our neck. And so we could tell everybody, you know, that's our Savior on the cross. Look at him. He's so, no. He died on the cross to give you power. You know, we just read in Romans, him dying on the cross, you know, and when the Holy Spirit entered you, that's all you need. That's all the power you need to flip this world inside out. God said if you just have a mustard seed amount of faith, you can say to that mountain, flip over, and it will flip over. And we need to stop looking at this world two-dimensionally because that's what we do a lot of times. We just see things the way they are. We have to realize God is above everything. The way God sees us is completely different. When we go through a difficult situation, what we're thinking right away is, God, please help me. God, please help me. God, why am I going through this again? You know, like Artur was saying, you know, why is this happening to me again? Why is this happening to me again? When God's looking, he's saying, weren't you the one that prayed more of me and less of you? Weren't you the one that said break you, mold you? That's what I'm doing. You know, and when we start looking at these situations, like God's just breaking something in my life right now. God's just molding me. When you start looking at things like that, your whole perspective on everything changes. Your whole perspective on everything, the way you look at life, the way you look at everything, it just changes. You stop caring about the things that you have. Man, I came out here, I'm looking like the Ukrainian flag today because I didn't grab any extra clothes with me. I don't care, realistically. I got to the point where I'm even praying. I'm like, God, I don't care if I never get married as long as I'm in your will. God, I don't care if an earthquake strikes tomorrow and I'm dying. Right before I die, I want to look at my neighbor's face and, and preach the gospel to him right there when he's desperate and I know he'll accept it. You stop caring about this world. You stop caring about what's in your bank account. You stop caring about your job and how you have every, your whole life planned out. You stop caring about it and you're like, God, whatever you say, God, whatever you want from my life, God, whatever you're calling me for, God, don't let me miss it. God, I want to be equipped to go and tell. I want to be equipped to be able to, to give somebody else this power that you've given me. And I don't care if it'll cost my life, God. I want to be like Stephen, who was getting stoned, but he was still praying, God, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. How many of us, if we're getting stoned, we'd be like, you know, may God curse you, may God curse you. How many of us would say that? He said, God, bless them, God, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. And you know, this, it's not funny. It's not funny what, 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 you know, our lives, they're not funny. This life that God has entrusted us, it's not funny. There's nothing funny about it. It's not a joke. We're sitting here in church on a Friday night. God opened up something to us. God opened up a secret. God opened our eyes. He showed us that this, is where, this, this building, this place, that's where his life is. 
and we can't even give up a football game sometimes. We can't even give up a sport. We can't even give up our friends. We can't even give up our music. When he gave up his whole life for you to give you that strength, to give you that power, don't miss God's will for your life. Like I said, we're all called to go and tell. That's like a global will for all of us, even though God has a specific thing for each and every single one of us. But God called us to go and tell. God called us to be the light and to be the salt in this world. That's not something that we just need to wear on our shirt. That's something that we need to live out every day of our life in every situation that we're in and with every single person that we meet. Noah, we're reading in the Bible plan and God is is, uh, talking a lot about the promised land. He's saying, you know, be obedient to me and I'll take you to the promised land. I'll take you to the promised land. And my question for you today is, before we get to the question, you know, we're all going towards that promised land. I believe that promised land, you know, that's, that's the will of God. We're all moving towards that. And that promised land in our life is the will of God. And we're all moving towards that. Whether we're going in circles for 40 years or we're just taking the short route, we're all going towards the will of God. And let me tell you this. When God looks at you, is he thinking, man, what a rebellious and stubborn person? Or is he saying to you the same thing he said to Moses? Where he said, I will go with you to the promised land. Is he saying, you stubborn and rebellious person, you just don't get it. Or is he saying, I will go with you to the promised land. I will be there with you. I'm not just sending you somewhere and staying here. God says, I will go with you. When these trials happen in our life and we've got God with us, man, nothing gets to us. It's like, you know, when you're walking through the streets and you've got Rusa standing next to you. You know, Rusa from one side, Vajik from the other, and you know you're walking around like, you know, what's up? You're not worried. When you've got God walking with you, when you're holding his hand as you're walking towards that promised land, Nothing can get you. Nothing can bring you down. No, I don't believe in one saved, forever saved. But once, you know, you've tasted God, you don't imagine life without it. Once you've truly tasted God, I was telling Zima, I'm like, Zima, man, I don't know how somebody like Andre, how, how they would go through this if they didn't have God. And then he shared to me, you know, the things that he went through with the arm and the house. You guys all know that stuff. And I'm thinking, man, that's why we see depression that's why we see suicides because that's the only exit people know nowadays they don't have God living inside but we have God living inside and if we're led with by the spirit and if we're walking with God towards that promised will towards that promised land there's nothing that will ever be able to separate us from the love of God from the love of Christ nothing, no situation, nothing you know, we're not going to be saved by our deeds. We're not going to be saved just by being good people, just by always doing the right thing, being super spiritual all the time. You know, when it comes time to pray, you know, you get this this look on your face like, you know, like the room really stinks or something, and you get this holy, holy look on your face, and you start saying all these cool things. That's not going to save you. What's going to save you is when you're walking with God towards his will for your life. What's going to save you is when you're walking with God. That's the thing that maybe you're not getting if, if, you, if you don't get the point of these rules, if you don't see the point, the beauty of the law. So you're not just being obedient. You're not just going where God's telling you to go. You're going there with Him. You're walking every single day with Him. Every single day at any moment, you know, you create an atmosphere around you where at any single moment, you know, you can look your head up and you could go, Dad, you know, what's going on? You know, what's in your heart? At any single moment during the day, not just when you read your Bible and when you pray, but at every moment of the day, when you're sitting there and you're working, when you're talking to somebody, don't talk about foolish things. So at any po- moment, you can look up and you can say, God, what are you feeling right now? God, what do you want me to do right now? And if we don't have that relationship with God, we can be as obedient as we want. We're missing it. We're missing it. You know, God's calling to us. He's knocking to us. And you're saying, God, hold on. Let me finish the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. 
you know, he's saying, go do this. And you're saying, God, hold on. I want to check my Facebook real quick. God's saying, let's go over there. He's dying. He's hungry. If you tell him about me right now, his ears will open. And you're saying, God, hold on. I'm doing this thing. And by the time you're freed, you've lost your moment. That's what the sense of urgency is that God is calling us to. That's what the sense of urgency is. To always just be ready. To always be ready. To always be prepared. To always set an atmosphere around you where God can work through you and God can flow to you. That's what it means to be led by the spiritual. That's what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit and not by your sinful nature. That's what it means. And uh, one more thing and then we'll start praying. And uh, today's reading once again in Leviticus 27 verse 28. You know, uh, it says... Once something is dedicated to God, you can't take it back. Once something is truly dedicated to God, not just something that's dedicated on emotions, not just something that's dedicated just because, you know, it was the heat of moment. Well, something is truly dedicated to God, you can't take it back. And I believe that when we truly dedicate our life to God and we're fully ready to lay ourselves down, there's no going back. I'm not saying you don't have to do anything and you'll have salvation, but if you keep working, you'll hold on to that salvation, you keep going. But like I said, when you get a taste of God, there's no going back. And if we could all just stand up right now, we're going to pray. And, uh, you know, what's your answer today? Like I said, what's your answer? When God says, whom shall I send? You know, we've heard that so many times. We've heard that so many times in this youth. When God says, when God calls out, whom shall I send? You know, can you truly say that you're going to raise your hand and say, God, here I am, send me. Understanding what that means. Understanding that that means that you might break your hip. Understanding that that means that you might lose your friends understanding that that means you're going to lose everything that you've earned everything that you've personally owned you're going to lose all that you have to be ready to lose all that when the rich man came to jesus and he said jesus i'm obeying all the commandments you know but what should i do to have eternal life even though he had everything he was a rich man he was obeying all 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 the all the commandments there was still emptiness inside of him he was still looking for something else and he said, Jesus, what should I do? And Jesus said, go and sell everything you have. Why did Jesus say that? Does that mean every single one of us has to sell everything that we have? No, but we have to be ready to. It doesn't mean that we all have to sell everything, move to Africa and serve over there. It just means we have to be ready to do that if that's what God says to do. But God, I don't want to go to that country. Well, then you don't want to be in the will of God. God, I don't want to do this. It's too hard. Well, Look at Job's life. Look what he went through. And he got to that promised land. Let's just pray right now. Let's just pray for, for the will of God in our lives.